We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio for week one, our big post-game show, and we are doing it live because, well, I'm too lazy to edit. Not going to lie. Way too lazy to edit. So, with me tonight, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. Hello, hey, Mike. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Going to, hey, hey, hey. And back from the point of no return. I can't believe it. He's real and in the flesh. Norm Hightower. Bud, how you doing? I'm recovering. How you doing? You, I'm fine. You're the one who's recovering. Recovering from what? Oh, man, it was so hot in that stadium. I don't know how the players did it, man. The humidity was just absolutely horrible. Oh, man. Forget about the Carolina humidity. Oh. After a hurricane, too. You know, there, I don't remember who did it, but, you know, when they were, there was this old comedy act when they were doing the weather report, he was like, it's hot. It's damn hot. That's what it was. <laughs> so, real quick here, Mike. I know your voice is a little tired to do. Can you let, let folks know what's going on? How's the end go? Hey, man, we uh, we came up on a short end. We lost uh, 29-20. Uh, just had too many miscues first half, uh, though we were only down. But, it, unfortunately, it was one of those teams – uh, no way we should have lost to not not to try to pump us up too much, but you know it was a, a good game for guys to realize that 
it doesn't matter what you do. You have to still go play the game. So we'll learn from this. But, uh, yeah, we came up short. Had some good things. Got a couple more turnovers, some good plays, big plays on offense as well. Uh, but nevertheless, we uh, lost 29-20. On our end, though, thank goodness, that's not the result. The Rams win today 30-27. Norm, you were there. And before we get into all the post-game coverage and so on and so forth, we do want to go ahead and just see if you got any interesting stories to tell us about the game, anything funny or anything you think would uh, get the audience to laugh a little bit after a stressful day. Well, I guess the one thing I could say is, uh, you know, first of all, I had really good seats. So thanks to my lovely lady for hooking me up at 40 yard line, first row, sec, you know, first and second seats in right behind the Rams bench. So that was cool. But there was a guy there uh, across the row from me, first row, um, Johnny Hecker. He was heckling him big time. I mean, like really bad heckling. And Johnny Hecker, you know, this guy that he is, he didn't pay any attention. And, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of pumping Johnny up when this guy is heckling him down, you know, going back and forth and back and forth. And everybody thought, you know, since I'm such a big dude, all the Panthers fans are like, you know, he's all right. You, you know, he's, he's just he likes to heckle, but he's a really nice guy. And I think they were afraid I was going to beat this dude up or something. But, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that, obviously. But I was uh, I was rooting Johnny up, and then he goes out and punts two, like, huge punts, and the guy shut right up. It was really kind of funny. That reminds me of the Detroit game last year, when that kid decided to mess with you in, in the bathroom of all places. Yeah, that that was kind of stupid. Put <laughs> <laughs> him in his place. All right, so don't mess with Norm out of the game. Don't, don't even bother. But in the meantime, again, 30-27 Rams win. It was a game that Various different people, depending on who you talk to, had different feelings on. I didn't. I could tell you, I'm I'm happy with the win. I'm happy to get out of the third twenty-seven. I'm happy to see. Uh, to me, it was a big trap game. No, no preseason, no nothing. This is a game they could have lost. Carolina is a much better team than they were last year. I want to hear you guys' opinions. But first, let me go ahead and just let you know this episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book Hollywood's team also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found including Spotify Apple Music SoundCloud Spreaker and if you got some time we'd really appreciate you taking the time to subscribe and leave a five star review in iTunes Apple Music sorry it helps us out it also allows us to move up those charts Listen to other shows like Rams Uncensored, Butting Heads, and eventually, when Norm's schedule clears up, he has a show coming up with Breaking Down Film. We still have that contest that's been around since before Norm was born. That's the 205 star reviews, and one lucky winner gets a 75 gift to NFLShop.com. And this is how it works just head over to Apple Music, leave a five star review, send us an email at RamsTalk1945gmail.com with a copy of your entry, and that way we know who to enter, like your name, because Sometimes your IDs with email and Apple Music are totally different. Okay, one more thing before we actually get into the game. The t-shirt, we still have one out for Rams Uncensored. Contact Ram Tommy in LA, make it happen. All right, guys, here we go. The numbers, the numbers for the game. Well, I wasn't a bug Norm to do it, but Norm doesn't have much of a voice left. I think I'm the only one with a voice today, so I'll go ahead and go through it. And if you guys have anything you want to say in between, just, just cut me off a little bit. For the Rams, overall, let's go to team first, go to team, team stats. And the team stats show, okay, and there's our first technical glitch of the day because it went away. Lovely. Okay. Team chats, team chats, live show, live mess ups. There you go. Always happens, never fails. Norm, do you see it? Because mine popped away. I'll get that for you guys. Thank Total you. Yards, Los Angeles Rams, 349. Carolina, 343. Total passing yards, LA, 183. Carolina, 216. A little more than us. Rushing yards, LA, 166. Carolina, 127. So keep going. Average yards per play. The Rams had 4.8. Carolina had 5.34. Uh, Point scored, obviously, L.A. 30, Edge Carolina by three, who had 27. We uh, had zero fumbles, uh, Carolina two. That means we had two more than them. Uh, <laughs> one interception thrown for both sides. Uh, we had one sack given up. Carolina had three. 
third down efficiency was pretty even. Us uh, Rams at 52%, Carolina at 45. Time of position nearly even. 33 minutes and 16 seconds for the Rams, our dominant Rams. Carolina had 26-44. And low scoring penalties, or not scoring, but low total penalties. Rams just had five. Carolina had six. All right, and then we look over here at the players themselves. Jared Goff, 23-39 for 186 yards and one touchdown, one interception. Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 97 yards for a 6.9 average. Malcolm Brown, 11 carries, 53 yards and two touchdowns, 48, uh, 4.8 yards per carry. Robert Woods, two carries, 16 yards. Jared Goff, four carries for no yard. And Darrell Henderson, one carry for no yards. Robert Woods led in receiving eight receptions, 70 yards, long of 13. No starts targets, my bad. Cooper Cup, seven catches, 46 yards. Brandon Cooks, two for 39. Tyler Higby, four for 20 in touchdown. Jared Everett, one for seven. Gurley, one for four. And there's Josh Reynolds sitting there with two targets. He didn't have the world's best day. Uh, fumbles, two forced fumbles, one from Corey Littleton and Samson Ebicom. One fumble from Jared Goff. Interceptions, Corey Littleton had that one and two pass defended. Set, uh, tackles for the day, here we go. Eight tackles from Corey Littleton with six assists. John Johnson, six and five uh, with one tackle for loss. Taylor Rat three and four. Eric Weddle, two and four. We'll talk about Eric here in a little bit. Clay Matthews, two, one with a sack and a tackle for loss. Michael Brockers, two tackles. Nikhil Rubicoman, two tackles. Dante Fowler, two tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Ooh, that just makes my day. Marcus Peters, 2-2. Two and two. Marky Christian, 2-2. Two and two. Aaron Donald, one tackle today. Bryce Hager, one tackle, two assists. Morgan Fox, one, and so on and so forth. For the, for the Panthers, for the Panthers, they, Cam Newton, 25-38, 239 yards and one interception. Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Good game for him. Alex Arma, one carry, one touchdown, one yard running. Cam Newton, three for minus two receptions. Christian McCaffrey, again, 10 receptions, 81 yards. DJ Moore, seven catches for 76. Greg Olson, four for 36. Curtis, Sam, three for 32. Jarius Wright, one for 14. And uh, Cam Newton and DJ Moore both had a fumble and they lost. One interception from James Bradbury. And I don't think we really need to worry about their tackles. So, guys, here's the question for you. Right off the bat, right away. What do the numbers tell you? Our first segment here is what do these numbers tell you? I'll start with Norm. Well, obviously the numbers tell you it was a pretty close game. And if you saw nothing but the numbers without the score, you would think the Rams came away with it because of the two fumbles lost. And and that pretty much was the story. Um, I'll tell you, though, that when you when you're there live at the game and you feel it in the stadium, Carolina they just they just in in their words keep pounding and they do. Um, they just kept going and kept going even though they were down and you could feel the momentum change. But the numbers themselves, I think they pretty much tell the story like it is. Mike, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting. Uh, if you were to say overall, I would say that they were pedestrian, if you will. Uh, nothing super jumps out. But, again, uh, we talked about this the last few weeks in regards to what type of team is going to play, be playing week one, having none of the regular guys really playing in the preseason. So, uh, I'm ecstatic that we get out with a win. You know, a win is a win. And this is kind of, to me, like a tune-up game for, for those guys to really get going and get in tune. Well, the numbers, I think you guys are touching on the numbers show that it was close. The numbers also show that it was a struggle, especially in the passing game for Jared Goff. wasn't his best day. His numbers show that. The running game, pretty solid. You wouldn't have known it from the first half. We'll get to that in a minute. Overall, just close, close for most of the game. You, you felt like you felt like the Rams were in control, and Carolines wouldn't let them get away. Like they just just would not. They wouldn't back off. Is what they wouldn't do. They refused to fold against the NFC champions, and for that they deserve credit. And the Rams, I think, in turn showed some resilience to hold on and get this road win. But my next question for you guys is: What don't the numbers show, Mike? Well, I don't know that they show that 
uh, overall, the defense outside kind of the running, the rushing uh, game, defense looks like we're going to have a stout defense. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about uh, Big Erica uh, having to lead the game. But overall, I, I think the numbers don't show that at the end of the day, the resilience uh, for our team to go play in that type of weather and come out with a win, I think that speaks for a little bit of grit that's down inside. And so I'm just looking forward to them getting going, you know, and running like on all cylinders. Norm? Well, what you couldn't see was all the players that were getting over on the bikes and getting, you know, treatment done from uh, from the Rams sideline because of the heat. You know, it was, I can tell you firsthand that uh, if it wasn't for my girlfriend, I'd have passed out because uh, it was really getting to me. I couldn't even stand up without getting dizzy. I mean, the humidity was horrible. So it definitely affected our team. You could see that it was affecting the Panthers too, but it definitely got us worse. Uh, they were double teaming Aaron Donald the whole time on defense, you know, when he was out on defense. Um, but it was nice to see guys like Fowler and Matthews go out and play. And, um, you know, I guess I'm going to, you know, it's my first time back in a while, so I'm going to get on my soapbox for here for a minute. And, uh, you know, I just get sick and tired of going online after a game and watching all these play, you know, people that are supposedly Rams fans going on there and saying, Oh, our defense looked horrible. And, you know, we can't make any more excuses for golf and good God, it's game one. And they hadn't even played in preseason and they're playing in awful humidity in a hostile environment, and they came out with a win. So, you know, give me a break. But anyways, if you look at the game overall, being there, it felt dominant by the Rams the whole time until the very end when they started to come back a little bit. You know, there, I would say probably two minutes into the fourth quarter, stands started emptying, and it was all Carolina Pan- fan, you know, Panthers fans leaving. Um, there were people just bailing because they knew it was over. And then Carolina came back with a little bit of you know momentum. But ultimately, being there, it felt like that the Panthers dominated. Or the Panthers got dominated by the Rams for the most part, uh, just until the very end. Well, come, Mike. Yeah, I just want to just jump in there with, hey, Norm, stay on that soapbox because what you're talking about, you know, myself having played in Miami, uh, as a player, you felt pretty confident, especially the first four games at home, that you were going to have the edge just because of the heat, humidity, because you just can't acclimate fast enough. So you're speaking truth in that for, again, a Rams team come from the West Coast, especially where they're practicing, you know, not that hot out there in Thousand Oaks, but to go in there and, and really to put up uh, the number of pound points that they did and then hang on to the end, that's that really speaks for itself. Well, to me, the numbers don't show a couple things. A, the fact that this really was a game of two halves. The Rams just seemed to struggle so much offensively in the first half. The offensive line really had some issues in terms of opening running lanes for Todd Gurley. They had... All kinds of issues on the edge, protecting pass rush. It was surprising to only give up one sack. We'll talk about that in a minute. Second half, things were much more fluid. This goes back to what you and I have been talking about, Mike, in terms of being <laughs> being rusty. <laughs> that concern we had about them coming out of preseason. I think we saw a lot of that in the first quarter, first second quarter, actually. And then, really, with Todd Gurley, he finishes 14 carries for 97 yards. And you would have known it for about two-thirds of the game. Matter of fact, on, on Twitter... I made this comment, and I'm taking a little bit of heat for it, but you have to understand where I'm coming from. The comment I made was about Targirl, and this is a question I asked, and I'll quote it out for you guys. I said, just a thought, and it's just a thought, so don't kill the messenger. What if the problem isn't the knee? If there is a problem, what about the possibility that it's mental? I'm not talking crazy. I'm talking sports psychology stuff, confidence level, etc. And a couple people really came at me and said, you know, you're, you're jumping ahead of the gun really too far. And my answer to you would be, oh, wait, really? Are you serious? Because we saw Todd Gurley in the Super Bowl. We saw him in the NFC Championship game, and he didn't look right, and his body language out there was horrible. And then today, a lot of the time, his body language wasn't great. But then, 
when it's all over, when, when I mean, when the game's over, it's 14 carries, 97 yards. He has a very dominant fourth quarter. And I like, I like to say is us playing reverse psychology. I'm just saying. We posted that, and bam! Tar girl was great. But what did you think about how he came on the second half? And what did you think about the possibility of some of those things about the knee potentially still bother him? Norm? Well, I texted you right off the bat and said, Gurley looked fine. Uh, you know, that was clear into the first quarter. Um, I think the reason that things changed, number one, was as the game went on, the players were, you know, dealing with so much heat that it showed that he's in good physical condition and was able to keep plugging along. And, and you know, the second half of the game, everything that I saw from Todd Gurley made me think of the old Todd Gurley. Um, he looked great there was no reason for me to doubt anything after that uh i I will say malcolm brown had a phenomenal game uh he you know sitting there watching him run right in front of me tough runs uh running over people however at the end of the third quarter i saw him go to the locker room with a trainer i didn't see him go back in the game after that so it kind of became and i don't know if they showed that on live tv or not but it kind of became it was either going to be Todd Gurley or, or nothing. And he went out there and did everything he had to do. And I was really impressed with his running in the second half. As far as the mental aspect, I'm, I'm sure that if there are any issues with that, um, they're going to stay behind closed doors. But what, I'll, what I will say is physically he looked perfect. Mentally he's on the sideline pumping people up. And I really don't see an issue at all, to be honest. Mike, yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm still gonna say something is up. I mean, having you know been in those locker rooms, uh, if that's your, you're not gonna see Eric Dickerson not playing if he's actually not hurt or something. Eric Dickerson, or even when Charles White took over after he left, those guys are gonna be on the field. So, to me, something is up. Whether it's a pitch count or if the knee's not quite back or something, uh, but Malcolm Brown, had he not, as you're saying, Norm, go to the locker room, they're going to take him down the stretch. So I'm, I'm just waiting to see what it actually is because to me, there's something up. You don't pay a guy that amount of money. He's not supposed to be your guy, and then he's not really in their plan. So for me, that's all I need to see. Now, as Norm said, absolutely. Once he got in there, you know, he ran like he, he knows and can, and he did some other good things. And so, you know, it's great to see him finish it out. But to me, there's just something up because your true starter is not going to be the guy kind of being the second running back. I honestly felt like they wore him out last year. And I think that was, I think his body had taken such a toll at the end of the year, plus having the knee issue on top of it. And so I do agree that they do have him on a pitch count. And, you know, I think Malcolm Brown is going to definitely help with that. And Henderson, once he, you know, gets NFL ready. But I, I'm kind of glad to see him not use Gurley quite as much and not running quite as hard if that's the issue, uh, you know, and save him. And today, you could have ran six or seven running backs in there with that heat, and it would have been a good thing, not a bad thing. So it's hard hard to put anything on that today. But in the second half... Everything that I saw looked like the old Todd Gurley. And the first half, to me, it looked like the blocking wasn't there and he was just struggling with that. But when Malcolm Brown came in, you know, he's more of a power runner and not as much of a, you know, make the cut and find the seam kind of guy. And, you know, that was working for him. And I think that's part of the reason he stayed in. So I'm not making excuses for Gurley, but I, I truly believe that he's looking much, much better. I mean, it. There was a point in the game where he had five carries for eight yards and he wasn't looking coming good coming in line. And my argument for that would have been the offensive line didn't look good at first. They, there was little protection for Goff at first. There was little protection in the running game. It, was, it wasn't very good. And they got better, actually much better, as the game wore on. 166 yards of rushing says they got a lot better. Overall, I think there's still room to be concerned there. And maybe it's, it's not girly. I mean... I see both sides here. I see the idea that your guy's out there. 
at your guy, and I see the idea that hey, you're in the pitch count. We're going to we're going to see where you go. I am nervous to see how his knee holds up throughout the rest of the year, but for one game, we're all good. All right, folks. Before we move on, we do want to give a shout out for our special sponsor, my bookie. Take a listen. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. All right, guys. So, other game observations for you, things that stood out, particularly for the Rams. I'm going to go ahead and go first on this one. Jared Goff, to me, I know, Norm, we mentioned before the game started, before the show started, that Jared Goff didn't look good from your point of view. I agree. For the most part, there were several things I saw that I liked. Carolina was trying to do a lot of the same things the Patriots did, the Bears did last year, the Lions did. And I saw that he was still rushed, still throwing the back foot, but he was still going through as many reads as he can. He was hanging in, taking hits, and he was moving when he can or could. And so I thought I saw some improvement from Jared Goff from last year where a lot of times in the situations it was just deer in the headlights, running for your life, taking bad sacks, making bad throws. I thought he made better decisions. He was, of course, like you guys said, off. Made, you know, thrown from the back foot. The interception was a bad throw. It was behind his receiver. I'm sorry, it wasn't behind his receiver. It was a bad read. And there's still some work to do here in terms of when he's against the rush, but I did see improvements there. Norm? Well, I wasn't being down on, on golf. Let's make that clear first what I, what I was saying is that it wasn't it wasn't that he was looking bad it was the fact that there were some throws that he just didn't make that were there and and then they were just way off target and and I'm going to say that's you know that has all to do with the fact that they set out the preseason I'm not worried about that as far as uh everything else with him goes he had believe it or not a lot of time in the pocket uh, a lot more than it may have looked like on TV. I mean, watching it live, I was just like, God, you got to get rid of the ball. You can't hold it that long. And that's a credit to Carolina's secondary. They they covered extremely well. The interception that he threw wasn't necessarily a bad read. Uh, I, I know it's easy to say that. Uh, that was a hell of a play by the defender. Uh, I, I watched it live, and I was just like, man, that guy, you could see him break on the ball early and, and go out and pick it. And I was just like, man, that was an awesome play by that defensive guy. I, I didn't know who, I don't know who got it, but um, phenomenal defensive play on that. I, Norm, I don't he know was there though. Hold on, hold on. The, the, that, that defender was there. He was there. It wasn't like he came out from 30 yards away. He was there. Jared yeah, should have well, seen him there. Well, I saw it live. You saw it on TV. We can potato potato it, but I'm just um, saying it was there. I, I, I'm saying I watched it live, and it was a hell of a play by the defender. I, I think that if it if the defender hadn't broke as quick as he did, well, that would have been a you know I mean, a good play. It's not a singular thing. It could be a great play and still be a bad read. I saw him there, and he made a break on the ball. That's a great play by the defender. But it's he was still- easy to be a couch potato and say that when you're watching it on TV. I was there live watching it. It's a little different. I haven't had a chance to look at the film, my friend. You know, what's interesting is what Norm is talking about, uh, DC, is simply this. When you're at a live game, TV a lot of times does injustice of how good guys are and how quick they can react. You know, I remember going to my first uh, NBA game some year, you know, many years ago at this point in time. But when I went to it live, I'm like, wow, this is a lot of stuff. You never can really tell what's going on. Uh, from TV because it's just, you know, the sound is different or what have you. Uh, but what Norm is talking about when you're watching it in real time action, uh, TV doesn't really, even though you're watching it live, it's not picking it up as live because from whatever the TV view is, 
it doesn't really actually show how quick a guy moves from A to B and how what seems like TV, like you're saying, hey, the guy was there. Yeah, you can see the big picture, but in real time, it's like split second. If a guy doesn't react correctly, that throws in there or, uh, you know, that guy's beat. So that's kind of what Norma's saying in regards to live versus TV. Yeah, we're seeing it and it goes, oh, okay, he made a good play. But in real time, you go, wow, how'd that dude do that? Well, I mean, I'm not in any way taking from the defender. I'm not in any way saying it was just some blah, blah play. What I'm saying is it can still be a great play. And I saw a great play. Okay, but it could still be a bad decision to throw the ball when he was in the area because Jared has to see him there. He's rolling well, it was that side of the field. Obviously, a bad, a bad decision. He threw an interception, but I'm just saying it looked it looked like a better defensive play than a blown offensive play. Is all I'm saying. You know, overall, the receivers, uh, you know, they didn't catch the ball quite as crisply and cleanly as you normally would expect. Uh, you know, Robert Woods played very well. Cooks seemed like he was struggling a little bit. Cooper Cup looked phenomenal. He looked faster to me. Uh, I think he's totally 100% back from where he was. I mean, you know, I watched him from the sidelines, and, and it's just really great to see him back. So overall, you know, the passing game, I think Goff looked pretty good considering, you know, this is his first live game of the season, and he hadn't had any preseason I was just saying to you on the phone that, you know, his accuracy was off. He, he just wasn't quite as accurate as he, as he could be. But overall, I think he played a really good game. Mike, how did you see Jared Goff today? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree a lot with what Norm is saying in, in regards to timing and just presence. And because you have to know that, you have an eternal clock that's going off in your mind, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, and you know at the NFL level, that ball needs to be getting out there. If you're getting great blocking, you might get every now and then. You may be able to get that four second, but usually not after that. So you need to throw it away, start scrambling, pick up a few yards, or just get ready to take a sack. So, uh, But again, I, I just put that on preseason. You know, from the preseason, last preseason, uh, to the first regular season game where now all the chips are on the table. Everybody's trying to make that drive for the playoffs and then hopefully the Super Bowl. The timing of everything becomes just magnified times 10. So what you may be able to do in practice and maybe even in a preseason game where guys that are veteran may not just be going all out, all out. When it gets real down to the season, now everything is counting because, you know, the other thing people don't understand, a lot of these guys have incentives, you know, whether it's playing time incentives or per catch or per tackles. So guys are playing for extra money, if nothing else. And so that's going to make everything come up and just everybody's going a lot harder than they are in preseason. So uh, I, I think, you know, being really the first game against truly live bullets that, you know, it was a decent job and, and hopefully now that's out the way and he can settle in and we can settle in and just keep getting better week in and week out. What'd you guys think of the offensive line, Mike? Well, again, I, I think as Norm already alluded to, they, they gave him some time. We could see that, you know, eventually we got some holes to run through. Uh, so I think, again, you know, that's going to be timing as well. And so a lot of those guys that play all in the preseason uh, all together, as I would have liked. But given the fact that you can get away and come home with a win, everybody's going to be excited with that. But everybody's going to be able to look at it and say, hey, we got a lot to improve on. Well, you could definitely tell that, you know, like my internal clock was going off the whole time because I'm like, all right, he's holding it too long. Uh, I, I was expecting more sacks, and I'm surprised that there weren't more. Uh, to me, from the sidelines, it looked like Goff had lots of time, was protected really well. I think he was only really hit once or maybe twice the whole game. Um, it just seemed like the Panthers' defense should be given a little more credit in their secondary because they actually covered the Rams' receivers really well. Um I just think golf held onto the ball a little too long sometimes. And that has to do with, you know, game speed, you know, preseason, not playing, coming out. 
it's fast out there. I mean, it's unbelievably fast. It doesn't, it, the TV doesn't do it any justice when you're watching it live. Things were happening so quickly. And I, and I think he's going to be fine. And I think the offensive line is going to be fine because they, as the game went on, they were, they were run blocking much better. I mean, much better. And pass blocking the whole game, they actually did very well. I mean, if you, and I, I'll look forward to watching the film and, and breaking it down. But um, overall, it looked like he just had tons of time to throw the football. I, I know the Carolina fans were really complaining that they weren't, you know, getting to golf at all. And it's surprising to me that they weren't able to with the size of the defensive line from the Panthers. And that's another thing you don't see on TV. Those guys are huge. I mean, you you stand them up next to the Rams offensive line and they're going to make us look like, you know, we're half pints. They are big dudes. And uh, if you can keep those guys at bay and not let your quarterback get sacked, I think for the first game of the season, I think that's a big story right there in my in my opinion. Big Norm, you uh, said earlier that the heat was such that it had you a little woozy standing up. So you can imagine guys on the field, yes, they've been running, yes, they may have been working out in it, but the fact that the temperature is a temperature, the human body can only take in so much fluid, water, be in shape, that actually allows you to actually go out and compete. But at the same time, it's doing the same thing on the field that it can be due to you as just a person sitting in the sun. I think it's probably even worse on the field because the grass is going to hold the heat a lot more than you know where we were. And we could feel a little breeze where we were every once in a while. Uh, I think it's a testament to how good our, our line did, the fact that they could play that whole game and stay hydrated. I think at one point uh, I heard it was 102 degrees in the stadium with the humidity, and I believe every degree of that. Well, the neat thing to me about that first half, especially the offensive line, and they're dealing with all the heat, is there was they, they did throw a lot of those same things that the Patriots threw at them, that the Lions threw at them, the Bears threw at them, the Eagles threw at them, and there was more of a rush. But I thought Jared Goff did two things: a, he showed more, and this is by this pause, this this is crazy to me, but I felt like he showed more faith in that offensive line this year by standing in compared to last year where he freaked out a little more. And so when there was a rush coming off the edge, we saw him wait a little more and stand there and then wait and step up. And and I thought that was a good sign of maturity. And it was also a good sign on the offensive line that even though they were pressured and they were pushed back some, they were able to stop those wings from coming in and gain the Jerigoff. So I was very happy with the progression that we saw from last year to this year in that respect uh, was that was really really good to see, especially with the team that loaded up on pass rushers in its offseason. Caroline did that; they they loaded it up real big. All right, so our sponsor. I cannot continue without shouting out Jim Hawk, his book Hall of Team. Grit, glamour, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for, an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hallwasteam.com and on Twitter at hallwasteam. It's also both on hardback, electronic form, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's available in various different booksellers on the internet. It's for a great cause, homeboy industries. Just trust and check it out. Hallwasteam, great glamour. And the 19th of these Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Okay. Game observations. Other things, and I thought we should add this segment in because I think it's important for us to see what other teams do well against the Rams. You mentioned it, Norm. What did Carolina do right? Oh, Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) I think that's, uh, uh, I mean, I think he was our leading receiver and leading rusher. The guy is a phenomenal athlete. they used him every way they could and you know for the most part you know running the football against the rams i thought would be a little tougher but i gotta say when you see mccaffrey 
and you see him live out there in the field, you talk about game speed. That guy is quick, and uh, that's what they did right. They they did that, you know, the best they could, um, and they also they also have an awesome secondary. So they they did a really good job of covering the Rams receivers, and uh, it was surprising how well sometimes they they were covering their receivers. So I, I would say their secondary and feeding McCaffrey as much as they could. Mike? Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey, I mean, coming out of Stanford, I was, okay, man, maybe they're giving him a little, little too much hype because of his dad and, you know, whatever. But, man, this this kid is legit. I mean, this guy can run it from the backfield. He's shown himself to be durable. We've always known he could uh, make plays from a receiver standpoint and from a kick return standpoint. But, Man, I would love to play with a guy like that because he just shows up every play, doesn't do a whole lot of anything but just play, and he's electrifying. And so absolutely did a great job. Norm, I wanted to ask you real quick, watching it live, uh, just watching from TV, it looks like Cam Newton, like his shoulder's tight because it didn't look like he was – I don't know, it just didn't look like he was throwing the ball right, though he was throwing it. Did it – could you see anything in his throwing motion? Well, it didn't look like he was doing well at all, and the crowd was even complaining about it. Um, so there looked like there was a little tightness there. Uh, the thing that surprised me, and I know that Derek's going to go into what did they do wrong, um, they, they turned him into a pocket quarterback in this game, and that was, I think, the biggest problem for him. Uh, he was getting hit a lot and uh, you know, wasn't really using him to, to roll out or, you know, the the RPO, I mean, I expect to see more RPO out of him. And uh, I think if you watched him, he's not hes not a pocket quarterback, and that's what they forced him to be today. And I think that's part of it. But the other part of it is, yeah, his shoulder did look a little tight, if you ask me. Yeah, so that was kind of some of the things. But, yeah, I definitely and, – and I will agree with their defense kept them in the game. And I like the idea about the blanket covers idea because – I'm going to just, again, put it back on the heat. You only have so many, you know, routes, deep routes you can run before you're going to start slowing down a little bit. So I know the Rams receivers are, you know, giving everything they got. But over time, the decrease in just your ability to run at that top speed into the third, into the fourth quarter, you know, advantage again to the guys who are able to practice in a little bit more. Uh, maybe had a little more in the tank as the game wore on in comparison to our guys, you know, trying to get open. Because what I didn't see, I couldn't see our guys really separating a lot uh, from from those DBs. So that's what you want to be able to see is your, your players, when they're coming out of break or going by a guy, they're able to separate. Well, that was one of the things that Dennis Walsh said when he was on the show this week was that he was very concerned about the secondary keeping the ball underneath defensively. He was very worried about the deep pass. He was very concerned about the quality of his defensive line, his defensive backfield. And in the end, they they were great. They had the best game of anybody out there for Carolina today, outside of maybe McCaffrey. So a good on them, and that raises questions on how the Rams will turn around and adjust next week against what I consider to be a pretty good secondary with, with New Orleans. So I'm, I'd like to see what the Rams are going to do when things get shut down. Are they going to be able to adjust to create more deep plays and stretch the field? Because eventually teams will figure out a way to stop them underneath when they can't go deep in. So that's a concern for me, and Carolina did a great job of really pressing that. Yeah, they did. Uh, I think things will be different, though, when they're playing New Orleans at home. I think that'll change things a lot. No, I think we'll too. There's a, I think there's a lot of motivation going in that game. I think there's a lot of motivation on both sides. But when you've had your entire offseason, everything you deserved, everything you earned being questioned by the Saints, their fans, and many people across the NFL, and you get a chance to play them again, I think we're going to see a very, uh, shall I say, spirited performance probably by both sides next week. Well, they may send their attorneys out to do the towing costs after that <laughs> whole lawsuit thing. <laughs> well what will be interesting is how fast can the rams recover from traveling playing a a pretty tight game down the stretch 
and being able to get back, you know, it was interesting, you know what I'm saying? You know, guys were trying to, you know, seem like the staff, training staff was really trying to, to keep them hydrated or fluids in them are probably not cramping and all those things. So it'll be interesting to see how quick they can recover. Uh, you know, great thing. They have a, a great sports medicine department. So I'm sure they have some tricks up their sleeves to get guys' bodies to, to bounce back. Well, I'm sure they will. I'm also very curious to see how New Orleans performs tomorrow night on Monday Night Football and then coming back out west after that game one day short on rest to play the Rams out there. I'm curious about that. No, I was I was going to say uh, I don't think that's going to be their motivation is going to be, look, you guys stole one from us, so we don't care if we played you tomorrow on the off day. We're going to be ready for you guys. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Mike. <laughs> no, I, I get the feeling that many people believe the Rams won't be motivated for this game. I think they will be. I think they've had – a lot of people have heard it all offseason how they didn't deserve it, how they didn't earn it. When we made the case numerous times on this show that they did earn it, a bad call doesn't change the fact that they dominated most of that, most of that game from the second quarter on. So I, I would think the Rams come in there very, very motivated as well, and I'm looking forward to seeing that's going to be a battle of the Titans next week. Okay, guys, what did, what did Caroline do wrong? Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was just going to I was going to jump on a, a norm soap soapbox absolutely because you know having played against a quarterback that was over back in my day it was Randall Cunningham. He was the the guy. Uh the biggest thing for a defender or at least ours was, hey, don't let that guy get out the pocket, you know, that's and so the same thing that happened with us and that was in a, a playoff game is Randall just was standing back there, you know, in the pocket, and you know, so we knew where he was. But as soon as he started kind of moving around, making plays, then they started coming back, and we held on to beat him out there. But I would say, absolutely, when you try to take a guy whose natural ability allows him to move around and do some different things on the run, you can't try to take that away from him. That's like taking away part of his arsenal, which great for us, not so good for their offense. And I think that would allow them to, you know, even open up more things because it really became a McCaffrey heavy laden offense, whether it was receiving or rushing. The thing that stunned me, just kind of piggybacking off you guys are going a little bit deeper. The thing that stunned me was the running game overall. They rushed for 127 yards. And I think, they did that not only testing the meat of the Rams up the middle. That first layer back behind the middle, the inside linebackers, they didn't go for it. And I was I was expecting them to go hit that hard and then come back with Cam running the ball on the outside and, and then them making plays on the outside. It, to me, they didn't really even test that as well as they could have. And I think it really cost them. I think it cost them a lot of ways. Your only weapon in this game really was McCaffrey. When you have Cam Newton and DJ Moore, you have weapons there. Curtis Samuel didn't get involved until later part of the game. I would say their offensive game plan was flawed by focusing on one guy and one guy for the most of it and not being diverse enough out there to really kind of push that Rams defense into making a decision on where that ball's going to go and where they're going to focus. Defensively, for Carolina, I was very curious with them in terms of what they were trying to accomplish at the line of scrimmage when they couldn't get credit, not credit, when they couldn't get pressure as that game wore on, they just seemed to accept it. They didn't seem to adjust to anything the Rams were offering, and I'm very curious about that. Well, I'll put it to you in a, in a way that made it easy for me to see, and that was the fans for Carolina that were sitting around me during the game. Um, I don't know if it was... You know, Cam was down with a foot injury, you know, last week or the week before. And I don't know if it was that that was holding him back or not. But the the fan behind me, I think, said it best. And he said, when Cam Newton has to be a pocket quarterback, he's no better than 20th in the league at quarterback. And Wow. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. You know, I mean, I go back to the ducks auburn national championship game and the reason that they beat the ducks that game when i'll never forgive cam newton for that was because of the fact that he could run 
and they, they, you know, he made plays with his feet as much as he did with his arm. And that's, that was the biggest thing in this game that was missing. And I don't know if it was because of his foot or if it just wasn't part of their game plan, but he didn't look like the Cam Newton that I know. And I think that was the biggest thing that they, they made a mistake on. If they could have moved him around a little bit more and done a lot more of the RPO, uh, I, I really think the Rams would have struggled a lot more against him. You're right on the fact that they, they, they ran the ball outside a lot better than they did inside. And most of the plays that Christian McCaffrey got running the football were not because there was a big gaping hole there for him. It was because he was able to, you know, reverse the, the direction or, or find a cut and, and go to a different spot. So, you know, I'm going to give the Rams credit in that sense that they were they were stopping the run where it was supposed to go, but they weren't able to stop it when it bumped outside, you know, where it wasn't supposed to be. And then when you're talking about the pass rush, I agree with you, and you know, for the most part. But I can tell you that that's the reason I think our offensive line did such a good job because they were blitzing a lot, and they, you know, they dropped back a lot of guys. But for the most part, they were blitzing somebody on every play from a different spot, and the Rams did a great job of picking it up. And so, again, credit to our line, and you know, maybe they could have got a little more creative on defense when the when they were blitzing, but. Overall, I think the biggest reason that Carolina lost this game was because of the whole Cam Newton thing. If he would have just tried to use his feet a little bit more, I think the Rams would have struggled. All right, guys, overall, what did this game show you, Mike? Well, overall, it shows guys are able to, to not play that much in the preseason and actually go into what is really a, a tough situation, humidity, heat, uh, different time zone and come out with a win. So it shows that something about what they're doing can work. I don't know if it's long term a successful play, but you know, as long as it's working short term to to get accomplished what needs to get accomplished. So I, I just like that defensively, even with a lot of new guys, it, it seems like they're playing together and at least what I can see, it didn't look like it was a bunch of blown coverages, and and sure you got to shore up some of that uh, rushing game that that seemed to they were able to to do against us. But I think that comes in time, and I think all that plays in the part of you know when it's hot, you know guys just aren't you know maybe getting to where they need to as fast as they can. I think our defense looks a lot faster this year than it was. Uh, that was one of the biggest things I noticed during the game. Um, you could definitely tell the whole preseason thing for both sides, especially in the first quarter. I think the score in the first quarter kind of, you know, emulated that it being zero zero at the end. It seemed like both teams started off real slow, and I think that just had to do with being rusty. And as the game wore on, and the heat just kept piling on, uh, the Rams were able to adjust and and have enough players that they could substitute. Uh, there were several times, I don't I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but there were several times when Donald, Brockers, and Matthews were on the sideline on uh, the first play out on defense. They, you know, they were doing a good job of switching players up and giving them rest. And the other guys, Morgan Fox was able to go in there and do a really good job. Tanzel Smart did pretty well as well. Um, I just think overall the Rams looked good to me for their first game back considering they didn't play preseason in a really hostile, hot environment. And if you've never been to Bank of America Stadium, I mean, I've been to a lot of different fields, and uh, I actually went earlier this year to watch an international soccer game with uh, with my little woman, and we had really horrible seats up in the 500s, close to the top. That thing is a giant, steep bowl. I've never sat somewhere where I felt like I was going to fall forward and tumble down, you know, all the way to the field. It's very steep. Um, but tall, and that makes it, the, the volume in there got really loud. It was really super loud. I don't know if you could tell that on the, on the television or not, but um, very hostile crowd, very hot environment, and they went in there and got the win, and I think that's, to me, what says it all is, you know, we showed that we're a Super Bowl caliber team still this year. We still have some improving to do, but overall, I think we look good. I thought that I thought the way they kept pushing back every time they were challenged. 
there was somebody I saw tweeting. I forget if it was someone from TST. I think. I mean, there's nothing against them. But they said that this team is not a physical team. It, that game was physical out there today. It was very physical. And to well, say, you can see that on the Weddle play for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to say that the Rams aren't a physical team to me, look how they, look how they run the football. Look where they go. Look what they try and do. They're not afraid to get physical with you. They're not afraid to go hit somebody. And uh, I, I think that's not a very fair assumption to make about this team. You can go back to the great show on turf and say, yeah, that was more of a finesse team. They weren't all that physical. They relied more and more on speed. The Rams will do whatever it takes to win. They'll they'll buck down. They'll go run the football four, five, six, seven, eight times in a row. They'll go back and they'll pass six, seven, eight, nine times in a row. This is a team that will do what it takes to win. They'll be physical when they have to be. They'll hit you when they have to. They'll, they'll do whatever it takes to win. And I think we saw a lot of that resilience and that physicality as they kept returning every shot they took from Carolina. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that had that game gone on a couple more minutes and they were forced to do something with the football, they would have. That's what they did every single time Carolina made a move, and I have no reason to think otherwise. So that's what that game showed me, that that resilience is there, and that's going to carry them a long way as, as long as they keep pushing towards that goal. All right, guys, one more thing to mention. Eric Well, you, just, you talked about that just for a second there, Norm. He took a hit on a, to, to his head, a knee, and it left a massive laceration. I believe on his forehead, lots of blood. They did have him set up for concussion. No word yet from the team. Haven't received their after-game quotes or anything to really know what the status is. So we'll find out. We will find out soon enough as to what's going on with him. My guess, just on the way he landed, would have been concussion. I don't know if you guys, I mean, you were there live, Norm. You saw it live. Uh, us watching the replay on TV over and over and over again, it was pretty clear the way he landed uh, would would signify more than just a, a pretty big cut. Like he was, he was definitely, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say out cold, but I'd say close to it. I'd say that. Well, I didn't, I didn't see that part of it as far as him laying on the field. The one thing that was significant to me is when he sat up, he looked like Darth Maul. His oh, face yeah. was just completely covered in blood. They put a towel over his head to kind of hide it from the crowd, but I was able to see a little bit, and he was definitely bleeding pretty heavy, and I never saw him come back on the field after that. So, you know, that did have me concerned. As far as how hard he hit his head, I couldn't see that live, and and to Carolina's credit, they didn't uh, they didn't really show the replay of it. Uh, as far as what it did to Weddle, they, they showed the replay, you know, of McCaffrey getting knocked around in the air, but they didn't really show what happened to Weddle, and and so we were kind of all up in the air. That's why I texted you about it and asked you how he was doing. And yeah, maybe they didn't say much. They didn't say much. Mike, any thoughts there? Yeah, I just, I just go back to what Norm said earlier about being there live versus being at home. <laughs> when we say a team is not physical, if you're in the NFL, it may look like a team is more physical than the other. But I'm telling you from experience, anybody that's in the NFL, they're going to be physical. And so it just is kind of interesting to hear, oh, you know, guys, no, there's a physical game. Now, just because one team kind of maybe looks a little more, but believe me, it's a physical game out there on both sides of the ball. Carolina's definitely bigger in size, but I'll tell you, sitting in the stands, it looked like our Rams were hitting harder than they were. And I think the Panthers fans around me kind of emulated that as well. And the other thing I noticed a lot, too, in the crowd was they didn't have the confidence that you would expect uh, you know, for them to have in their team. Uh, when uh, the play before, uh, when Littleton intercepted it, um, the guy in front of me says, oh, we got a chance here. And I said, nah, we're going to get a pick six right here. And I said, <laughs> and, and he's like, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we got this. And then Littleton you know, intercepts it and almost does run it back. And the guy slaps me on the shoulder. He goes, man, you're good. I said, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, but... I said, you know, I just have the confidence that my defense is going to step up. And he goes, man, I wish we had that. And you could really feel that in the crowd. So I would say we're definitely a physical team. We were more physical today than they were. And I think that's the reason we got the win. And that's surprising to me, as hot as it was there. You would think that the Panthers would be more used to it. But the Rams, you know, did really well in it. All right, guys, really quick before we get out of here. 
player of the game and goat of the game. I know Norm doesn't like the goat part, but I think I think I, I think he'll be okay with this one. Go of the game. I'll go with Mike first. Who's your player of the game and your goat of the game? Man, my player of the game is going to be Johnny Hecker. Three, not Johnny Hecker, but uh, Greg Zerline. Uh, three for four for field goal. Man, that's nine points. A long of 56. Made all his extra points. So that's definitely my player of the game. My go to the game, we got to go with Corey Littleton. He was all over the place. Yep. Well, I, think, uh, I think the, go ahead. normally the, the goat of the game is a person we'd say is the, the goat, the guy we, we, we pick on. Oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was the greatest of all time. Yeah, no, he always no. does it. He does it as the the goat, as in you did bad. Uh, actually, I'm I'm probably not going to even vote for the go to the game because I just think this is just week one and everybody's just really getting going. So I'm gonna just stick with the player of the game and with with Zerline. Norm. Uh, I'm going to go with Dante Fowler. Um, Again, talking about game speed and just watching him on the field. That guy is fast for as big as he is and just the energy he plays with. So I'm going to go with Dante Fowler. Um, For GOAT, I kind of feel like Mike on this one, although if I had to pick one, I'm going to say Josh Reynolds for two targets and no catches when it hit him right in the hands, especially on the one. Um, you know, you got your chance to go out there in a tough environment and show that you're ready to play, you know, as a one or as a starter or, you know, show what you got and you got to catch those easy ones and he didn't do it. So if I have to pick one, I'll say that. Man, I'll tell you, Steve Ribeiro on Butting Heads is going to have a field day with that. Well, I mean, geez, oh, Pete's going to have a field day. Um, yeah, little Stevie has a problem with him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and he was starting to come around, too, and then, and then today happens. So uh, my player of the game is Todd Gurley. When they needed him late, he was a Todd Gurley we know. And there were a lot of questions at the end of the season about what he can and can't do. Uh, tired or not from the rest of the defense, it doesn't matter. He was everything you would want. And Todd Gurley, he's everything you want in a closer. That's what he was. He was a closer. It's like you, you saved him for much of the game until the fourth quarter and you unleashed him. And whether it's because Malcolm Brown went down or, or whatever it was, he stepped in there into the job. So I'm going to go with player of the game there. My GOAT is it's not – I'm going to exempt Greg Zerline. You know, he missed one today, but he had a starter. And it's not really even Johnny Hecker. I'm going to go with the rest of the special teams, though, especially with the penalties, the blocked punt. Those mistakes that happen just cannot happen. Even I know we're just out of preseason and so on and so forth. I get that, but this is the NFL, and in week one that could have cost you a game, and darn near did cost the, the Rams the game. And so, the, the again, the bad special team penalties, the punt, the punt block was um, it wasn't acceptable. So I know they'll fix it because the Rams – Almost 99.9% of the time, we'll have the better special teams out there, but today was not their day. Yeah, not a lot lot of flags today. That was nice. And they all came later. The Rams were pretty clean the first half. Yeah. All right. So, guys, it is time to go. So, first, sponsorship. If you're interested in advertising with us, reach out to us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Also, we are part of the Big Heads Podcast Network. And if you're listening to this later, not live, you're going to hear the promo coming up right now for lap time. Check it out. For all the latest NASCAR content, including driver interviews, race recaps, fantasy nascar listener call-ins and giveaways tune in weekly to the lap traffic podcast on itunes or your favorite hosting site on the web the lap traffic podcast.com and on twitter at lap traffic pc don't get caught chasing the lucky dog tune in each and every week to the lap traffic podcast all right guys any closing thoughts i'll start with mike yeah man i'm just looking forward to just another great week heading in and and hopefully these rams are all ready to go for this saint game because man it's gonna be the real deal so man i'm excited and hopefully all these things 
or most of the things get worked out and that, uh, man, we can get back there and, and do a great job on Sunday against the Saints. Norm? Well, I saw a good quote the other day that said, uh, you don't realize how thing, how special things are until they become a memory. And today was one of those special days for me to get to watch, you know, my Rams playing in Charlotte against a hostile crowd and, and the heat. And it was just, it was a fun experience. The fans on both sides were, were cool with each other and it was a fun game. And now I'm ready to see him go back home and, you know, shut the haters up and, and down in the bayou and, and uh, you know, get us a win at home. All right, my final thoughts are this. I'll take that win any day, any week, any anything. I was – so, Mike, you know this. I've mentioned it so many times. I was worried about week one. I was worried about the lack of reps. I was concerned yeah. this could be an 0-1. I was concerned this could end up being an 0-3 start. And after watching NFL action today with the Browns getting hammered and the Rams got their winning in Carolina, I'm not so worried about that anymore. Matter of fact, you know it's not going to happen. So I would say that I will take this win as ugly as it was at times and say, you know what? They built from here. So the Oakland game last year was ugly a lot of the time. They pulled away late, but – that team was not the team that took the field in week two or week three. They were a better team each time out. So, good start. I'll take the win. And I expect that offense, especially the offensive line, to get better. Jared Goff to be more of who we know he can be as time goes on. So, I'm pretty stoked with how today ended, even though it was ugly. 30-27 Rams win. All right, guys. So, it is time to get out of here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. The Rams Talk Room group is there as well. We share our stuff, and also we are willing to share other people's stuff in there as well. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at one duke twenty three. You can even find Norm at Norm Hightower, and he might actually tweet once a year. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. And don't forget that we're back this week, midweek. Don't forget butting heads, Rams Uncensored, all week. Almost all week, we're there with coverage. So for the entire team here, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We're out of here. Missed you guys. Like hey, a punctured luck, I'm sure. <laughs> all right, guys. Adios. Adios. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.